Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week, Chris is going to be telling us about a late running train journey of his. Okay, Chris, tell us about your late running train. Uh, well, so this is a train that I uh, get to um, to actually come and record these these podcasts. Uh, so I, I regularly uh, get this this uh, particular train at a particular time, uh, and it's a, it's occasionally late. But on this particular uh, in this particular instance, um, there was a um, there was a cow on the line. Uh, so the train <laughs> had to slow in order not to um, run over the cow. Uh, and that that was occurring early on in the journey, in the sort of rural part of the, the journey. Uh, but then subsequently, um, there was then uh, there were then signalling problems when we started coming into into London, which further delayed the the journey. And then congestion related to actually having to get a platform at Waterloo Station, which further delayed the journey again. And it got me thinking about why it is certainly that our perception seems to be that um, when a train journey starts to become late it only ever gets later after that it doesn't it's not that you then subsequently regain time somehow and um, uh, and end up being you know closer to to being on time uh, than would otherwise have been the case it always seems to just get later so it got me started start uh, or it started me thinking about why it seems to be easier for a train to be late than it is to sort of um, be early. Okay. I think there's another angle here as well, which we're not going to go into today, which is um, what's going on with these cows and uh, fencing and um, adequacy of fencing and so on. And uh, yeah. (laughs) A a rurally aimed podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The quality of fencing in the British Isles today yes yes and church bells being too loud or something yes um okay um peter do you want to sort of take us on from there yeah well um the train uh the train system uh like many other things uh is engineered uh you know it's been built and designed by people and uh one of the ways that you can save costs is by ensuring that it runs as as a just in time system meaning that you don't have lots of spare rolling stock hanging around because um, it costs you money to if you're renting the train or it costs you money to, uh, to 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 maintain and run a train so if you have lots of rolling stock knocking around that's a that's a cost so you're trying to minimize that as much as possible so at every every point of the system is um, is sub is vulnerable to to failure because it, it doesn't take much to upset a fine balance of being just in time. So, um, so take for example, your 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 train timetable is partly dictated by fundamentals, so distance between stops and the the, the speed that train can travel. So uh, there's lots and lots of sort of fundamentals in this equation, uh, and it's a it's big complex planning problem. But um, they can't account for everything. So cows on the line is a good example. They they have an assumption that the that the fences on the uh, the side of the train tracks are, are, are good and uh, cow proof. Yeah, cow are cow proof. But um, they that but that can change and can't be planned for. So 
small little change like a like a cow appearing can can seriously upset this balance um so it's the case that the system is built so that actually it's kind of almost at capacity i don't know if that's quite the right term but that um if things are going to go wrong they're only going to go wrong in one if things are going to go off time they can only go off time in a bad way not a good way or and and that actually you could have a system where actually it would be easy to make up time but that would probably be a quite costly system to have in place exactly it's an engineering choice to to have spare capacity in the system so so something you could so something you could do is um incur greater costs uh and allow the trains more leeway so they they, they can if they're running if they leave a station a few minutes late they can throttle up to get to the next station on time and they do that they 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 have speed limits that they uh that they that they they have to adhere to but they there is a little bit of slack in the system so they can try to make up time but um when you get a cow on the line compounded with a signal failure these are sort of that you not only got lots of factors which you're not planning for like cows on lines but you've also got factors which you are planning for like a certain rate of signal failure um however if you get lots of you, there's not only things you haven't thought of, but there's lots of combinations of things which you haven't thought of, which can suddenly upset things. So, in this 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 example, it's sort of a a, a, a multitude of errors which have caused the system to to break down. However, what but I think what's what's amazing though is how resilient the system actually is, because Chris still arrived um, and not 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 hugely. I mean, how late were you? I was about forty five minutes late, but uh, out yeah. of what was your overall journey time? Two hours, so it was a yeah. A, so so a sizable fi- increase. So nearly fifty percent sort of extra time spent yeah. traveling, but you still got there, right? You know, yeah. you, you wasn't you you weren't you didn't you weren't forced to abandon your journey like no, you might have been. That's right. And I, I think I think you know there's a there's there's a couple of uh, sort of interesting things while I was delayed for forty five minutes that I was co- contemplating. Um, w- one of which was, you know, um, I-, I think there's a general perception about about lateness and and trains that that people have, where you know, which kind of gives evidence to the the um, the existence of the availability heuristic. I think generally, when studies have looked at um, people's perception of train lateness, uh, people overestimate the um, amount of times they are they are late mm. on trains because. Uh, they remember them more more clearly. So, so I, I first of all had to question: Is it true that once a train starts becoming late, it only gets later, or do I simply remember those events where um, I've been on a, a train that has been at least forty-five minutes late, and they stick in my mind and become uh, they, they seem like the frequency of them is greater than they they actually are. So, so there's that issue, and and the 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 research that's been done does show that. Uh, that people um, over remember late uh, late trains. Okay, so there's a question of perception here. Yeah, but also there's a question of um, you know what is the main aim of the train, and it is to get you from point A to B, and probably actually although we're sort of slightly fixated on timing, um, as Peter has said, actually the system is designed as such so that um, actually if something's going to give, it's going to be the time, and that it's going to be late. However, there are certain other things, and certain, probably the main aim, actually, we'd probably all agree on, is, agree on, is that we want to arrive safely. 
and I'm guessing that pretty much 100% of us here have never been involved in a, a major train accident, anything like that. And so actually, from all our train journeys of, of thousands of hours probably combined between us, mm. we've always arrived safely. Yeah. So actually, yes, we're fixated in one thing, but yeah, maybe the I, most important thing... I don't know what the stats are, but I think train journey... Train is by far the safest mode of transport when compared to... Uh, it's probably on, it's probably comparable to to air travel, um, but vastly safer than traveling by car. Yeah, but I think the the thing that uh, it highlights to to me is that um, the, the, these kinds of complex systems definitely it definitely seems to be the case. And in fact, the 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 metrics that um, train companies have to sort of aim for, I think, even reinforce this: that once something drops through the cracks, uh, it's it's much more it gets kind of written off effectively so a really late train um is is better by the the metrics they are measured by than uh 10 trains which are a little a little bit late and so there there seems to be a sort of um systemic uh kind of approach to um these uh, you know the way these systems are constructed that when something drops through the cracks when you get these compound uh, errors. It's easier to let those go uh, than it than it is um, to sort of inconvenience lots of passengers a, a little bit. Yeah, which yeah, has a really very very real effect good... for trains because they've got um, certain targets and financial yeah. penalties, etc. If they yeah, miss that's those, a, but... that's, that's a good point. I mean, they they do. I think they when they're calculating the the lateness of a particular train provider, they do account for every minute of every train that's late. However, what they what is much harder to calculate is how the sort of overall level of inconvenience to your passengers because yeah. it might so, be that it might be that there there's a particular train particular train journey that lots of people take that's only ever a minute late but it's very consistently a minute late but that minute causes them to then miss a connection which causes them huge amounts of cost and and, yeah. uh, and, and sorry so I want to broaden this out a bit um, but before we do that Something I want to pick up on is that as we record this, is in a beautiful English summer's day, one of the hottest days of the year, okay? And Peter was complaining about being hot, okay? But Peter, you've, you, you, you're doing something which I, I, I just don't, it's just, I don't understand why you're doing it on a hot day like this, right? Which is where you're wearing socks, okay? As we record this, as is Chris. Now, Chris is okay because he's not complaining about being hot and probably isn't hot. But look at me, you know, I've got my bare feet here as we record. So you seem to have a, you've got a scabby bandage on one foot, but we won't ask about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I, I've, I haven't, just haven't taken them off because I cycled here today, right? And that was a heat avoidance strategy because I wanted to, at all costs, avoid the northern line because it's just horrendous on days like this. Sure, it's it's horrible and hot during the winter, yeah. let alone uh, on a day like this. So. Um, yeah, they're, they're my cycling socks, and I've just not taken them off. But hold on, you don't have. I cycle a lot, and I often. In fact, I was cycling just le- yesterday, and I was cycling barefoot. I'll with take them off some... if it makes you feel better. Well, no, it's, it's about what makes you feel better. It's just your it's your welfare that I'm concerned with here. Well, I, I don't much like the look of my feet, but I'll take them off for for, for, for Fraser's benefit. Thank you. He obviously but likes I, my ankles. I do find though, when it gets to the end of the summer, autumn time, if I've got to have a, a formal meeting somewhere, and I have to struggle putting on socks and shoes, I one. I really Do you don't. need someone to tie your laces? Well, <laughs> I've I've had to just go to Velcro these days. I just can't handle it. Um, have you got a, a stick? System, have you got a yeah. stick with a claw on the end for doing the Velcro up? So you have to bend down. <laughs> but one thing I noticed is how the state of my feet at the end of the summer, because they'd all get all kind of ingrained dirt and sort of 
and quite calloused and so on but it's because that my feet are free so um so so let them breathe yeah let them breathe yeah. anyway hashtag free the feet sponsored by tell me studios yeah fraser and peter's feet aside yeah um, so broadening this out look we've been talking about trains but i think there's a general thing uh what is it called a planning fallacy um is it you know guys know more about this than me hofstadter's law what this thing about generally how we underestimate um a task and it's so easy so much easy and i do this all the time is i estimate a certain for example editing these podcasts i think oh yeah i'll sort of do that in half a day or something and it end up taking me all day but that happens every single month uh or every single week when i do these so um what, what's going on there yeah so i think Hof, hofstadter's law is uh well it was developed by um uh, in in relation to um, computer science and and the length of time it would take to solve computer science problems like um, developing a a chess uh, machine that can beat a, a grand grandmaster or uh, something along those lines, but it essentially says that um, uh, things will always take longer than you think, even when you take into account that things will take longer than you think. Uh, so um, and uh, that that is just. Um, effectively a, a feature of um, uh, I suppose a little bit of optimism bias that gets us to start uh, attempting to do to do a task in the first place that otherwise we we might not uh, but also is a feature of um, complex systems and that as we get more and more into a problem we understand how how complex complex they are yeah so when you when you when you're pl- when you're forming your plan to build something or deliver something or get or design a train system, you're if you if you're starting from scratch, which most people are, with most prob- with a lot of problems, um, you 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 have some idea of the things that could go wrong, and you've got some ideas of how you might fix them. But as you get into it, you start finding more things that are going are going wrong, uh, and and you might find that your mitigation strategies aren't quite as simple as you first thought so you have a sort of there's a there's an optimism in you you think you can that you think you're good and you can you can you can nail it but there's also an optimism in that you you're underestimating the complexity and the difficulty of the task and i think i think this relates to the sort of idea of uh um uh entropy as well that um you know uh <clears throat> entropy and uh sort of you know chaos within a within a system only only ever seems to move in one direction it only increases i mean peter is an engineer well, there's can, a, can there's tell a, us a bit more about there's thermodynamics a, ten, there's and, a tendency of things to uh to to uh, move to greater disorder so if the universe is left unchecked it it, it becomes less ordered as as the energy is redistributed however however and but when you're when you're when you're building something or planning something, what you're essentially doing is creating a a, a, a local pocket of, of of low entropy. So you're 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 putting work in to make things more ordered, um, and so you're kind of fighting against the universe in that in that respect. The universe just wants to make things a mess, uh, whereas you're you're trying to you're trying to impose order and legibility on a on the, on on a particular part of the universe to be able to predict when trains are and. And be I, able to I, deliver a piece of software or whatever. Yeah, and I think this this is an important sort of analytical lesson in terms of that uh, trying to es- trying to establish um, uh, order and uh, you know dealing with 
um, compounding risks like a train getting later or things such as um, the Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant disaster, which was, you know, one of these kind of cascading risks where a series of events, you know, an earthquake followed by a tsunami, followed by a, um, uh, you know, a, a meltdown at a, at a power station, a series of uh, events cascaded and, and, and caused something. And as planners uh, and when doing the analysis to do planning, there's a there's a real sort of onus on us to build in uh, kind of fire breaks that prevent things from getting more and more uh, full of, you know, greater and greater disorder uh, so that at some point the disorder ceases, it hits a, a, a fire break and uh, you can get back to the nice order that, that humans humans like and it's um, that poses an, an interesting analytical challenge. What about in, uh, you know, I know we're talking about planning sort of grand projects and stuff. I just can't help but think back to myself and editing these podcasts how it always takes longer than I expect it to do. So that's just me fighting against uh, the, the, the chaos of the universe. Um, but <laughs> it does feel like And that, your so. mind. And my mind, the chaos <laughs> yeah. of my mind. But is it just me and I'm just not learning from this stuff? And it, I mean, that's actually a relatively simple problem. And and it's the same problem again and again, and yet I still always yeah. Well, uh, I think Fraser, the pro- probably what you don't do, and knowing you reasonably well, I think you definitely don't do this, but you probably don't keep a record of how. For, so the podcast editing task is fairly similar month to month. Um, so you probably don't keep a record of how long you actually spent doing doing it in the past. So you don't have a diary of when you've done a task, how long it took you. Uh, if you did then you would have a very good set of data for working out how likely the next one is going to take. Mm. So if, if you, you, uh, if you, if it always takes you an hour and you've done, I don't know, eight, ten, ten editing sessions, it's pro- the pro- next one's probably going to take about an hour. Um, and but you, you, but you, but you're when you're planning your task, you probably haven't taken into account all that data that you've got. Uh, and you're probably just sort of saying, well, you know, similar other similar things. Well, I reckon about half uh, half a day. I, 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 th- I think there's also an element of people tend to plan in chunks. So they think, right, I'm planning. Uh, that thing takes me three minutes. That thing takes me five minutes. That thing takes me two minutes. Therefore, this thing will take me ten minutes. And there's a, there's an element of the sort of um, uh, uh, conjunction fallacy in there, which is that. Uh, you you sort of assume the best case scenario for each individual component and think yes I, I usually get each of those bits about on time forgetting that across the three different elements or the multiple elements one of them is pretty likely to go go wrong and and cause you a problem in fact you know often two of them will go wrong and may well compound one another you know you yeah. get you take longer on one phase of it and that then means that the product that comes out at the end of it is a bit more disordered and needs a bit more sorting at the, at, at the end mm. of that so um well i mean apart from being highly affronted by um this suggestion of my <laughs> less than optimal analytical and reporting um abilities um yeah no you're right actually. but i am right <laughs> yes yeah 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 i think so sorry but yes yeah i'm right <laughs> okay so this is what i need to start doing okay is just start writing stuff down how long yeah and that's, so that's that and that's that yeah Sort of um, uh, project planners and project managers of very large programs. This is exactly what they do. They have, if they've been doing it a while, or they do it for a company that's been doing this sort of thing for a while. They have a big catalogue of 
data that, that they can use to plan similar jobs. So, yeah. Okay, look, we need to wrap up. Um, and so what, how do we want to sort of finish this off? Uh, what, how do you want to round this off? Well, I, I think I think it's it's broadening it uh, even even further, and th- and thinking about you know how how it is we can prevent things from uh, from spiralling out of control and becoming you know a small problem becoming significantly larger. And you look at you look at events like um, uh, you know geopolitical events like the the Arab Spring and that spreading across you know. Af- so you look at things like... You look at events like the uh, Arab Spring and, um, you know, uh, disorder spreading across uh, the Middle East and North Africa and then turning into civil wars and conflict and s- subsequent disorder and thinking, OK, well, that's, uh, you know, wh- why is it that that uh, level of disorder doesn't continue and we don't have people engaged in civil wars for... Uh, forever and why you don't have the disorder spreading across the planet and suddenly we're back to a a state of nature and everybody uh, uh, you know murdering one another what is it that that prevents that from occurring and how can we maximize those kinds of those kinds of fire breaks within any system to to prevent you know wildfire effectively spreading through Mm. through a system and 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 there are i mean it's a whole other podcast but there are sort of um parts of systems theory systems engineering which are try which the whole disciplines looked at looking at complex adaptive systems and systems that are inherent complex but inherently stable um they have a sort of some sort of internal feedback which keeps them on a level um but i i but I'm going to be invited at the end, to, so I'm going to get a point in. Before. Yeah, go and get your point in. Uh, but I think there, there are also interesting behavioural things. So aside from the biases like the planning fallacy and optimism bias and things, uh, there are interesting behavioural things when you're in a, a, a collaborative environment, a collaborative team. So we do lots of projects with other companies, sim- similar to our small companies, and uh, we organise the work. So uh, we, we're doing task A, and another company does B task B and another company might do task C and and in that in, in that sort of environment there's it, it, there, there's a there'd be a natural tendency if you said okay task B guys can you deliver your thing by next Friday um, does that sound reasonable yep sounds reasonable okay we'll expect it on next Friday when you engineer a deadline like that um, there's a you're 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 sort of engineering in uh, a a not before kind of people often see this as a not before uh, sort of date uh rather than a sort of um than a a target date that you that you the the last possible date and you could, but you you could get it in earlier so you're sort of you're saying that you if if the if if the task is actually easier than the 2 weeks it takes to get that task done they uh, but they're not not in any way incentivized to get it done early because you've given them a sort of uh, a chip to say yep don't need it before that date and that's an interesting uh and that's uh, in in project management uh you you always try and look for ways of incentivizing people to deliver early because that's the way you get programs delivered early and under budget is and, to and, and in the train example the why trains don't get earlier is because uh there's a timetable so if you turn up and leave before a train is scheduled to leave the passengers won't be there to to, to get on it and will be quite rightly miffed so actually you know this sort of not before 
uh, uh, timing is you know a good example of why trains might find it difficult to uh, to you know on on balance they can either be on time or late they don't have the other side of the equation which is the capacity to be significantly early mm. when everything's going well so the whole system is biased towards things things being late yeah 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 and one of the things you so this is as often with these we're sort of coming back to human psychology and it reminds me of uh, speed limits is that they're often treated as a target yeah rather than a limit yes. and you've got a sort of free pass up until that point and you know but at that point no 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 not past that but mm. but again because that's treated as a target so it's more um there's more bias to people going over that yeah so yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, let's round this off. Um, yeah, I just want to round it off with this. So given that you cooperate with uh, and collaborate with other organizations on joint projects, and given that what you've just said about um, deadlines and other groups meeting deadlines for a whole project to move forward, given that um, one of the things you specialize in here is things like um, decision making and making the right decision and I guess in this case, producing something on time. Do you find that other organisations that you work with are worse than you guys at working to deadline? And are you, if so, are you free to comment on the? <laughs> no, because well, we're. Or are you well, just as bad we, as they well, are? Well, if we weren't picky about who we worked with, then we might find that. But we we're careful about who we collaborate with. And thinking back to days when, uh, in large corporations, corporations, corporations and the civil service, where a lot of people aren't terribly incentivized at all to do anything um but you know beyond but above and beyond the minimum um then yeah you, 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 you've set a deadline and then that you you can expect it exactly five o'clock on on the day of delivery rather than oh here, i could get that done early would you like it early is that helpful um that is rare but I mean, as a sort of as a sort of manager that's that's kind of your part of your challenge if you're able to um if a task that you set five days for if it could be done in four why not give the guys a day off um if they get it done in four there we go just give them a free day so um yeah on that note um incentivizing people giving them days yeah. off so have yeah. we fin have we finished the podcast early can, uh, we, can we go now can we go now yeah actually this is a good example actually is that i wanted to finish make this podcast shorter than some of our others and actually i've completely failed to sort of manage that and we're actually finishing exactly the sort of time that we normally would so um i don't know if that connects to what we've been talking about or not i suspect in some way it does um and to my own analytical reporting timing stills so, yeah but so, well, it's in yeah. your interest to make them shorter Fraser because you have to edit them yeah so presumably they get harder yeah why do you think I'm pushing for this they get harder yeah. the more people <laughs> ramble on like I'm doing right now but you know who I blame for this and it's not myself I blame Nick because he's not here no I blame you right and the reason I blame you is because your socks we're not for your socks yeah that added well, at least an, that added at least another three minutes you, on you brought them up right I mean my socks were there you didn't have to mention my socks well I had to because just the the I did have to just because of the um, the irrationality of wearing socks on a hot day. We can edit out the socks. <laughs> they're, they're they're staying in. Um, right. On that note, so um, I'm Fraser McGrew. I've been here with Peter Coghill and Chris Rag of Aleph Insights. Thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. And until next week, bye bye. Mm -hmm.